Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder Podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another installment of History Hack. Alina, we're so excited today. Who's back? Who's back? Oh my gosh, you guys are going to be so excited as, well, as much as we are. It is, are you ready? It's Gillard! Yay! Gillard was so, so popular when he came on last time. Remind everyone who he is first hello, and get hello. on with having some fun. Well, guys, if you go and listen to podcast number 15, remember number 15, you'll get to know a bit more about Gillard. Here's our archaeologist's from Israel and today we're going to be talking about Jerusalem so I'm really excited about this boom yeah so Gillard again you're placing me in a, you're placing me in giving is... me like 40 minutes to talk about Jerusalem yeah but I, this is, is the payment we require for turning you into a cartoon because you were very excited about ter- being turned into Indiana Jones weren't you Jerusalem is, is a it's a big topic but it's also um, well you know, it's it's kind of, uh, I don't know if controversial is a word, but it brings up a lot of emotions. Yeah. Because everybody thinks uh, the city belongs to them. Last time you were on, you were telling us about lockdown in Israel um, and how it was being exacerbated by um, basically political muppetry. Um, and now you're saying it hasn't got much better and you can't run away. Uh, no, it hasn't. It, it, it's actually it's 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 getting worse. It's getting worse. <laughs> well, but really, really, you know, jokes aside, it's it's the ugliest thing of of politicians using the Corona uh, crisis for their own political gain. Mainly, mainly our current sitting prime minister um, trying to escape jail. So. What? Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 no. We don't really, really, honestly. We don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's that not. That is a whole different podcast. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> well, listen, so I asked you to send us a list of places because obviously the, the archaeology of Jerusalem is so vast that we can't cover everything yeah. today. So yeah. I asked you to send us a list um, of a few places that we're going to discuss. And um, we're going to start with biblical, obviously, because we need to start at the beginning, not at the end. So yeah. tell us, and let's let's have a little bit of chat about the city of David. Um, well, I'll just uh, a, a small prelude. Um, we're talking mainly about what we call the old city of Jerusalem today. Keep in mind that Jerusalem, the the vicinity, like, let's say Greater Jerusalem, the modern day Jerusalem, uh, encompasses even more sites sites going back to the early Bronze Age and even the Neolithic. 
So, um, but we're focusing on the old city, the one that's more or less in between the walls, the famous one with the dome of the mountain and the golden cap and everything. Um, city of David, we have to ask ourselves, I will ask this question and we will not get an answer. Uh, why do we call it City of David? Is there even any historical, archaeological reasoning for that name? The, 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 the bottom line is no, but it's a big discussion. The thing is that it was actually the heart of Jerusalem all through uh, middle, late Bronze Age into the Iron Age, meaning from around 1800 BC until, six, until 586 fall of the first time. Are you there? Yeah, we are. <laughs> we listen. We listen. We're hooked. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, and well, the city of David is actually it's an amazing site because it's been excavated now uh, since the nineteen uh, four hundred years now um, since the nineteen twenties. Uh, we've had British archaeologists in the Mandate period. Uh, Reisner excavated there. Then you had Kathleen Kenyon in the fifties, and and the Israeli archaeologists in the seventies, and even as recently as twenty ten. Um, and of course, a big debate is, do the buildings over there relate to the time of the, of the kingdom of David and Solomon, which we discussed in the earlier podcast, in the one before. And of course, the, 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 you know, the opinions vary. Some say yes, some say no. There are buildings over there which date to the Iron Age, but they date to the later part of it, let's say 8th century, which is much more has a lot more archaeological uh, evidence uh, regarding the Assyrian conquest and then the Babylonian conquest with the exile and everything. So um, the main features in the city of David, which are really, really amazing, are the stepped stone structure, which basically looks like someone vomited a lot of rocks on the, on the mountain. But when you look closely, it's actually built. It's built, and the discussion is, when was it built? Just so you understand, the discussion uh, uh, moves from Iron Age, 10th, 9th century, to Hellenistic period, uh, 4th, 3rd century. That, that's, that's a distance, and it's a big one, and it's a very important one. Um, and the main, main, main attraction, and really it's an amazing feat, is the Silwan Tunnel. Have you heard of it? Vaguely. Vaguely. The Silwan Tunnel is actually uh, a man-made uh, hewn rock tunnel, which it doesn't, it's not built like other water systems in which you go down a tunnel to the water. It actually moves water from the spring to a pool south to it. So, when they, when they, when they actually, let's say excavate, when they excavated the tunnel, when they yeah. built it, they had to. They they went out in two teams. One from the point where the pool was built, and one from the spring. Now this is half a kilometer, five hundred meters into the rock, into the bedrock, and they met at the exact same point that they were intended to meet. So you have to ask yourself, how on earth did they do that? Talking about twenty eight hundred years ago, and the second thing is that this is uh, from uh, um, let's say. Uh, a physical uh, point of view, they had to keep a certain they had to keep a certain angle from north to south so that the water would work with the gravitation and flow to the pool. So engineering wise, this is an amazing feat. Now it's completely excavated. You can actually walk the whole tunnel, which is it's it's an amazing experience. 
you have to come prepared. You walk in water and it's dark and, you know, it's, it's the whole, it's Indiana Jones experience to the extreme. <laughs> But it's a lot of fun. And, and again, it shows you how much abilities they had in that period. And this is a period that for sure is after David and Solomon. So it, 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 it works into the whole uh, argument from the point of view of saying, look, these are people who had the facility and ability to build these kinds of projects. We don't see them in the period related to David and Solomon. Hence, it was a smaller kingdom. It is first on our list because I ended up, uh, I couldn't get the tickets for it and they ran out of tickets. So you've got to get there really super early and make sure all, all book in advance. So that is the first thing we are doing. Because uh, for our listeners, we've, uh, before we came on air, we invited ourselves to Israel and to Gilad's house and he didn't get a choice. Um, so let's move on before he runs away, never to be heard from again, and move on to <laughs> well, Hellenistic well, and well, Roman. Yeah, well, well the, the point of connection is, of course, north of the city of David. Actually, inside the old city walls, we have what is called Temple Mount, of course, maybe the most famous place on earth. Um, which, according to tradition, there are a few things on We'll start from the beginning. There so is, this, uh, on your first show, Gilad, you said that basically if anyone goes inside Temple Mount to look around, the only thing you're going to find is World War Three. If you excavate there, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, if you're basically tourists, seriously, um, like you guys with, with, with foreign passports, you can go onto Temple Mount. No one will give you any trouble. I have a problem because I'm Israeli, Jewish, and it's different. It's a whole political system. So it's a bit, it's a bit more more difficult for me but for example if you come to jerusalem you should have no problem on going and, and seeing temple mount on top i've never been on top never in my life um so in temple mount <clears throat> it actually connects first of all we have um the base stone which is the stone in the center of the temple mount which according to legend is the stone where abraham was about to sacrifice isaac in the famous story in the bible And this is a stone on which, according to the Quran, the Muslim Quran, um, uh, the Prophet Muhammad landed and had his vision to build a temple, which is today actually the Al-Aqsa Al Mosque, which is on temple. Um, do we have uh, evidence of the Solomonic Temple? Like we said in, in, the, in the earlier podcast, we do not know. We have never excavated. What do we have? We have the perimeter walls, which were built and, and, and heightened by Herod which of course ruled somewhere between uh, uh, 40 to 4 AD, which of course is a whole, uh, you know, is a whole uh, millennium conundrum. You know that problem, right? Yeah. It's a funny one. I like it. Anyway, <clears throat> um, so the Western Wall, maybe the most sacred place to the Jews in the world, is actually one of the outer walls built by Herod to support the hill on which he built the larger second temple. Okay? Yeah. And the Western Wall itself, the whole area with, with, uh, with the uh, perimeter to, for Jews to pray next to it, has been recognized as a holy Jewish spot from the mid-19th century. The Ottoman Empire already recognized it, and it's, it's become status quo since then. The reason that's the place, and this is interesting, is because... Uh, according to research from what we do know, the temple was somewhere in that area on Temple Mount. And we know, according to um, 
descriptions from the Bible and from Herod's time that the entrance to the temple was facing east. So the Holy of Holies was on the west. So the Western Wall is actually the closest place you can get to the Holy of Holies today. That's why it's located over there. Now, the thing about the Western Wall, if you look at pictures of it, and I recommend you open Google, type Western Wall, you can see pictures of it, you'll see it has three distinct different stone sets. The lowest one is the Herodian one, the Roman period one, first century BC. The second one, much more square, much more uh, 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 of the same type and same make, are Crusader stones. It's, an, it's, a, it's, a build, it's a part when they heightened the wall in the Crusader period. And the third part is really small stones. These are uh, more, more building that was done on the walls uh, even, to, even until, the, until the early 20th century. So you can actually see different parts of the history of Jerusalem in the Western Wall, right in front of your eyes when you stand in front of it. That's amazing. Right. So even if you put away all the religious issues just as as an archaeological artifact as a find it, it it just it's a documentation of three very important periods in the history of jerusalem right in front of your eyes now beneath beneath the western wall in what's called the western wall tunnels today um are actually the tunnels are not tunnels originally they're tunnels today but they were actually streets beneath arches that led from the city to the temple mount in there you can see the largest stone of the Western Wall, which is amazing. It's something like nearly between seven to eight meters long and two to three meters high. It's one stone, one block put in the wall. There's nothing else like it. Well, and the thing is that when we go away from the whole area of Temple Mount, City of David, into the old city, we're actually going west, and then you can start to find remnants of uh, Hellenistic buildings, which, and this is really interesting, the first Hellenistic building was actually uh, built as, a, as a, a pagan temple on the place where now we find the Holy Sepulchre. And I'll talk about the Holy Sepulchre in a minute. Um, but there are remnants, um, very, very fragmentary, here and there remnants of the Hellenistic period because most of it was, was demolished and rebuilt in the Roman period. Taking into consideration that the two big builders of Jerusalem in the Roman period are Herod and Hadrian, the same one who built the wall in northern Britain, which is following the great uh, Balkhova revolt of 132 to 136 AD. The, the, the site, the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is, is an amazing building for, for many reasons. Um, the origin of the building is, is a story you may know it about Helen, the mother of Constantine the Great, the founder of the Byzantine Empire. Um, she went on what is now called, wrongly, the, the oldest uh, archaeological expedition, but that's wrong because we know that Nabunaidos from ba ba Babylon did an excavation even before her. So, irrelevant. Anyway, she decided she wants to find the true cross. And she excavated in the area of Golgotha and around the area where uh, the, the cave where Jesus was buried was found and she found three crosses this is how the story goes and and the crosses you had to understand or similar so how do you know which one belonged to jesus so she said bring me someone sick and they bring her a sick woman and she makes her touch the first cross and nothing happens and the second cross and nothing happens and the third one and she gets all well in a moment and like if you find the cross everybody will be 
free of corona from now on, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, okay, this is a true cross. And she breaks it up. And she breaks it up into small pieces uh, and takes it back with her to Byzantium. And then she gives her son Constantine the order to build a church over there. And that's the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is now divided into 15 different sects of Christianity. Armenian, the Greek, the Ethiopian, the, the Syrians. And it's, it's crazy what's going on in the sepulchre. But basically the whole church covers on its eastern wing. It covers what is presumed as Golgotha. And the western part, where, the, where actually the rotunda is, is, is above a piece of rock which inside is a cave, which is presumably the cave which Joseph of Arimathea uh, gave so they could bury Jesus inside. Okay, now, if you want to see the cave, either come the moment they open the door or bring with you something to read for about an hour, an hour and a half, because that's how long the line is usually. <laughs> um, basically, just so you understand, there's a, there's a door that's supposed to be opened on Christmas for a special prayer. Now, the only one who can open the door is the Armenian high priest, but the one who holds the key is the Greek high priest. So they have to meet. He opened he. He unlocks the door and he opens the door. And it's crazy what's going on over there. It's crazy uh, religious-wise. Um, Archaeologically-wise, there's not a lot to see over there because I dare you to try and open an excavation in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, good luck with that. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Now, <laughs> um, there are another two really important elements inside Jerusalem. There's the Cardo. We all know that a Roman town, a Roman city was built, first of all, you place down a cardo, which is the northwest axis, and then you place the Decamanus, which is the east-west axis. We have remnants of the original cardo. Parts of it have been restored, and they've put new shops in it, so it gives you like a feeling of actually walking in the cardo with modern-day shops which sell you uh, memorabilia for uh, outrageous prices, of course. Um, but And... The Decamanus is interesting because the Decamanus is actually called in Jerusalem the Via della Rosa. It's actually the, the, the path that Jesus walked from the prison carrying the cross to God. Okay? So that's actually the Decamanus. The, the main east-west axis of Jerusalem is the path Jesus walked to his crucifixion. Uh, and we do have to talk about the surrounding walls of Jerusalem, the old city walls. 
which were built in 1516 by Suleiman the Great, the Ottoman Emperor. Um, and inside them, there are seven gates. There's the Dung Gate, uh, uh, the Lion Gate, the Damascus Gate, the Nablus Gate, the Jaffa Gate. Of course, most of the gates are named by the town which they face, you know, the direction in which you're going to go when you exit. And the interesting thing about the gates, the one of the most interesting is the Lion Gate, because the Lion Gate is called that because it has two, uh, um, uh, four actually, two pairs of lions on each side of it. And the lion is a symbol of the greatest um, Mamluk leader, Mamluk uh, uh, ruler called Baibals. And presumably when Suleiman was building the walls, he had a dream that uh, the walls would crumble if he wouldn't put lions uh, from Bibles on it. So the lions are actually were removed from a, a Mamluk period, 14th century AD Mamluk uh, hostel, and put on the on the walls beneath beneath the sides. Excuse me, besides the gate. So it's a big mess of a lot of periods altogether. You have to understand when you're walking in Jerusalem. Chances are that in each direction you look, you'll see at least, and I'm really being minimalist here, at least two periods in one shot. At least. Most of the times you'll see more. Um, and because of, uh, you know, I, I skipped a little bit on the, on the uh, Crusader period, but the Crusader period has some remnants. Most interesting, I can't tell you exactly where because you have to, I have to be there to find it. But in the middle of the market in the old city, there is a wall with a lot of crosses etched into it, hundreds. And as far as we know, these crosses are actually, um, uh, each cross signifies a crusader, uh, a crusader soldier that died during the conquest of Jerusalem in 1099, the first crusade. Wow. Okay. Jerusalem became so holy to almost all the religions. And keep in mind that Christianity was the last one to place a stake on Jerusalem. It was Jews, then Muslims, then Christianity. Only, only when, when, when the first crusades arrived here. So everybody wanted a piece and everybody built on it their own, their own little pieces. So things just became one on top of the other. And, and, and it's situations where you can actually find places that, let's say, um, were, were, were inhabited in the Iron Age, let's say uh, 8th century BC. And suddenly on top of them, you'll find a crusader building because they were actually neglected and deserted for all those thousand years apart. So it's, it's all one on top of the other. That's why you have the walls which are built by the Ottomans, but the gate has lions from the Mamluks, and it actually connects to the walls surrounding Temple Mount, which were built by Herod. So <laughs> it's a big mess. It's the overlap is incredible of history. <laughs> exactly. Everything is on top of everything again. Um, you know, a lot of Roman buildings in Jerusalem are dated to the time of, of Hadrian because it was actually one of the two punishments he gave uh, the Jews for the revolt. He, gave, he, he actually placed two punishments on the Jews. The first one was to banish them from Jerusalem and actually turn it into a completely different city and he called it Ilia Capitolina. The second, by the way, which is, which is also relevant to our day and to modern politics, was that to ch he changed the name of the province that was called Provincia Judaia, and he changed it to Provincia Palestina, which is actually the first time in history that the name Palestine appears officially on a map. Oh, wow. Brilliant. So the whole, 
the whole uh, Palestinian-Israeli uh, uh, problem, you can actually blame it on the Romans. Can blame like a lot on the Biden. Romans, to be fair. Yeah. That, that's, well, you know, on it's it's like on on one foot and really, really generally. But 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 that's the story of Jerusalem because uh, the main thing to take away from this is that everybody wanted a piece, and 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 more than that, everybody took a piece, and everybody left something over there. You can find something in Jerusalem from every period, starting from. Let's say I'll be gentle. Let's say 15th century BC. Let's say 3,500 years of history you can find from each period remnants in Jerusalem without a problem. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Listen, Gilad, I've got a question from my dad because he's been hounding me because he loves your podcast. Okay. And he wants to know something because I told him we're talking about Jerusalem. And it's a slightly little bit off topic because uh, he went there himself and he discovered a couple of things about Jerusalem that interest him. So he asks um, that basically there's very little mentioned about the Armenian photographers who documented 19th century Jerusalem and the state it was in. As an archaeologist, do you find this photography useful? Yes. Um, It's useful in a sense that it shows you how things looked before the city became a center of research, let's call it that. Um, Top of my head, the most famous example, um, in the mid-19th century, uh, 1838 and 1842, if I remember correctly, um, Edward Robinson, a biblical scholar, British biblical scholar, toured the land of Israel, Palestine, and documented, and actually he was the first one to to connect... uh, ancient sites to their biblical uh, uh, references. And he noticed what's now known as Robinson's Arch. It's right by the uh, southwestern corner of Temple Mount, just on the southern edge of the Western Wall. Again, if you click on Google, uh, Robinson's Arch, you'll see it. It's actually a remnant of, uh, like, uh, let's say, um, um, uh, an interchange an interchange of stairs that led you up to the Temple Mount from the level of the street. If you look at 19th century photographs and drawings, you can see that actually Robinson's Arch then was about at the level of an average human being's eyes. If you go today to Jerusalem to see Robinson's Arch, you have to stand by it and then crane your neck up like crazy to see it because all that depth was excavated since uh, 1967, since, uh, since actually Israel uh, conquered Eastern Jerusalem and then began excavating around Temple Mount and in the Old City. So it does give us a sense of how things looked before massive excavations and massive uh, urban changes uh, happened. Does that answer your question? It does, Absolutely. it does. I think you'll be very happy with that answer. Talk to us a little bit more about um, the Muslims and what we see of latter archaeology um so temple mount is basically in continuous use from mid 7th century a.d until today um again 7th century was when the dome of the rock was built and the al-aqsa mosque was later built and they've been actually using it and and maintaining the place since then um muslim uh, remnants are mostly the temple mount and the actually the circumference, the, the outer walls of the old city today are all Muslim. And, 
and but you don't see a lot of uh, Muslim remnants in the old city itself. It depends again. At Jerusalem, I haven't mentioned this, is divided into, in, into quarters. You have the Jewish quarter, that's the area of the western wall, the, let's say the southeastern uh, zone of Jerusalem is the Jewish quarter, which uh, has the western wall and connects to the city of David. You have a southwestern area, which is the Armenian quarter. The northwestern is the Christian, and the northeastern is the Muslim quarter. There you'll find more Muslim, but it's more modern stuff. There's less um less uh, uh, muslim archaeology keep in mind that until the mid 90s there was a very bad attitude in israel towards muslim periods in archaeology usually you would dig through them and nobody would research it which is a terrible way uh, today today things have changed and we research everything of course whatever is a part of the history is part of the history um so that's that, that's the situation and basically the waqf which is uh, the the delegate of the Muslim uh, uh, religion, he actually runs Temple Mount, so to speak. Whoever is interested in, in the history of Jerusalem specifically, I must, must recommend the book because really it, 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 it's a brilliant book and it's, it's written lovely and it covers everything until 67 uh, by Simon Sabag Montefiore. I'm sure you know the name. Yeah, we've been begging um, it. He's agreed to come on, but nailing him down is like, like oh, chasing, that's, that's lovely. A, so tell him, tell, him that, that I'm, <laughs> tell him that I'm a big fan of his, tell him I'm a big fan of his books and I love the Romanos especially because when the kids are, are, are not behaving, if you throw it on them, they can die. So it's a good way to threaten them. Excellent. Um, anyway, yeah. Anyway, no, his book, his book, Jerusalem, a biography is, is, is a masterpiece. Really, it's first of all, a brilliant historical book. It's written brilliantly, very engaging, very easy to read and it covers everything. It covers everything. It's, of course, a history book. It has, it, it dabbles with archaeology, but it's more a history book. But if you want to know about the story of Jerusalem, it's the best place to start. And keep in mind that Jerusalem, being Jerusalem, you can't talk about Jerusalem without mentioning other things. I, I tried and I veered away. But, you know, um, the Crusaders, uh, the Crusades took Jerusalem in 1099 and they thought they would hold on it for, forever. And then they lost it in 1187 to Saladin and the, and the Muslim forces. They tried again, but they never conquered it again. Uh, almost everything that happens in, in the uh, uh, ancient Near East um, since, again, 1500 BC, somewhere it has an attachment to Jerusalem. We have uh, uh, letters from Jerusalem written in Akkadian, in cuneiform letters. Uh, they were sent to the uh, the main government in Egypt, main not government, the main rule, uh, the king in Egypt. Um, again, talking about the situations in Jerusalem and the area, so it, it covers everything. And if you start reading about Jerusalem, you'll end up eventually reading about something else uh, because there's just no way around it. Which, honestly, I think is a good thing. But you know, Gilad, listen before we finish with you. Obviously, mm. that's a really horrible way of saying it. Before we finish this, yeah, that sounds like you, a threat. Yeah, <laughs> it probably I is. Oh, we kill you all. I'm trying to be professional here. I'm trying to be professional here. So, I would like you to plug your uh, your lectures as well because I unfortunately I want to join in the, on the one this evening, but unfortunately I don't speak Hebrew. But I think you should plug the rest of them. Tell us a little bit more about oh, it. No, I well. The thing is that I started uh, making uh, lectures in English, and it's a little bit 
on the side now because I do a lot of lectures in Hebrew now. Of course, all of them are online um, because there's nowhere to go and we can't leave house. Um, well, basically, they cover all kinds of different uh, periods. I do them in series, in, in, in kind of series. I do them in, in um, you know, in trilogies. I'm now on the, on Saturday now, coming on the 25th. I'm going to finish my Bronze Age trilogy with the collapse of the Bronze Age, which is, which is actually very, very relevant to the situation we are in now, the collapse of the whole political and, and economical system of the late Bronze Age, um, which might be where we are headed, but it's too early to say. Um, but it could be interesting. Um, but I will post more lectures in English, and they'll be available for a very fair price, and I'll be sure to publicize them, and I'll be sure to tell you guys so everyone can know. Absolutely. Various topics. Thanks so much, Gilad. I love ah, you. Thank you. Thank you. It was lovely as always. Down the pub, we will be discussing the most important moment in history. Um, a moment is being defined as something less than a week, so it can't be a long event. We've got some great choices coming up on that, actually. And then tomorrow, we will be talking to Gary Powers Jr., all about his father's experiences as a spy plane pilot um, and of being shot down over the Soviet Union. That's a really fascinating talk. You can now nominate History Hack for an award. If you go to BritishPodcastAwards.com, you can nominate us for a Listener's Choice Award. Uh, you have to do your vote by the 6th of July 2020, uh, and they will announce the winner at the British Podcast Awards on Saturday, the 11th of July 2020. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind, we'd really appreciate it. There now follows a public service announcement. I'm Horatia Hornblower. And I'm Archie Kennedy. The simplest gift you can give in these troubled times is to obey orders. Indeed. The regulations are very clear in the matter. It is the duty of all of us to remain at anchor until the little people in the talking box signal you otherwise. You don't want to end up getting flogged. Good day to you. Good day to you both. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 